they have their arm out and they trace their their forearm bone up into the palm by their pinky side that's where the gun belongs because mm. when you do that and you yeah. pull back it really solidifies the gun in space so you can pretty much press the trigger as hard as you want you'll feel when it's right because nathan has his gun out you'll feel when it's right because the gun feels very secure right you look it looks like you're a little off there nathan since uh since we're playing guns i'll go get mine out here oh god <laughs> yes okay hell yeah uh audio pistol shooting lesson day asmr pistol shooting it's only a shame you can't see this fancy this fancy fake beretta that i shoot <laughs> so what, what is that oh so this a... this is a gerson regard gen 3 interesting foretta i love this gun this gun is amazing you're listening to the art and more podcast with your hosts nathan and br nathan is a canadian illustrator with a couple years of military experience and BR is a British anarchist that moved to the States. Both are passionate shooters and community builders. Together, they run the Seaburn Art Page. Enjoy the show. Beep. <laughs> hey, everyone. Uh, welcome back to the Art and War podcast. It seems like I've actually done a for real intro these last couple of times, and I just ruined it by acknowledging it because I don't think you're supposed to acknowledge an intro in the intro. Power through. Uh, it's like breaking well, the four, fourth wall. Breaking the fourth wall. Now we're, we're a meta podcast now, but um today we've got rob epiphania if i i've i've typed your name a bunch but i've never said it out lo- i've said it out loud a bunch but i've definitely fucked it up every time Epiphania, <laughs> i think yeah uh, that's not that's pretty close epiphania that's that's how i say it epiphania is how most people how pe- other people say it i've gotten uh emphysema epinephrine oh my epinephrine. You know, one other that's, one of, those, that's, that's one of those names that looks like hell in any waiting room because it does yeah. Lady comes out with a clipboard and just just murders it. <laughs> Every it, it's it's pretty much like so so even it matches right. They'll always do roll call and they'll be like Rob and I'm like just I'm here. <laughs> yep, yep. There's no I'm other Rob. Just yep, that's me. I saw that's the pause. Really that's me. This, because the pause is enough. <laughs> uh, for for a while, whenever I uh, I said your name to like hey yeah we're doing guides with I would forget you had an e in there. So it was like robe Pifania. Oh um, I don't know why. Right. Anyway, Rob is joining us as a USPSA Grandmaster, which is uh, great because we were just talking about it before we, we got started. I'm a Brit Bong who uh, couldn't get his hands on handguns his entire uh, childhood. Nathan is actually like a really fucking good pistol shooter, but we've still got... That, that's the autism. It's entirely yeah. <laughs> just the autism and access to YouTube. Um... <laughs> And nine mil used to be cheap, but uh, <laughs> it's entirely thanks to people like Rob who put incredible guides up on the internet on basically how to unfuck your pistol shooting. Uh, Rob is an incredible pistol shooter. He does guides. Check him out. We're doing the shill part early, I guess. Rob, how are you? <laughs> oh, I'm doing great, guys. Thank you guys for having me on here. Really appreciate that. Of so I guess we can get into what we were talking about right before we start recording. Yeah, yeah, I was. Please. Uh, Br was saying he was. Uh, go ahead, Br. You can. You can say. Oh yeah, it. I, I was just. I was just lamenting about my. Uh, my first few times shooting like handgun, kind of doing repeated drills in front of a bunch of my Arizona buddies who obviously grew up shooting handguns and stuff, and just being so fucking embarrassed because my rifle stuff absolutely fine, but my pistol was atrocious. Like the second we get out of you know CCW class, like standard kind of ranges it was like what is going on here dude so yeah no you were it 
you were sharing too that that's uh you started off struggling with pistols too which was great to hear because it, it means there is some hope for me <laughs> i don't know i don't know it's great to hear that you you you, you know at one point you were not good shooting a pistol but if it helps if it helps other people i mean listen whenever we start learning any skill we're probably not going to be very good at it to start right yeah and, you know that and that's and anytime we're in we're in a new position or or so you guys have heard of imposter syndrome, right? Absolutely. Yes. Oh man. And, and I, I heard, I, Jordan, I think it was Jordan Peterson that actually said this, but you know, people have imposter syndrome. Well, in the beginning you are an imposter, mm. right? You, because yeah. it's a new position. You don't know what's, what the challenges are, the things that are going to come up, but through the opportunity to find solutions to problems, like you become you become the skilled person, you become the expert, the master, whatever. And it's no different for, for pistol shooting. So, so what I was going to say was I remember I, so I had shot pistols very casually uh, when I first, when I first started shooting pistols, which was in my 2009. So I was in my mid, mid twenties. So I started shooting, you know, I got the 1911 because, you know, you got John Moses Brown. You got to get the 1911. That's the first gun you get right in 45 because it's not a 44. I've done all those, <laughs> all those things. Right. So, yeah. and I was, you know, I felt like I was pretty cool when I can shoot a, you know, shoot a decent group at, I don't know, five or seven yards or whatever it was. So, so I started getting into tactical and defensive classes in 2011. So I was a high level athlete up until up until 2010, I played basketball up into college. I played volleyball in my working years, you know, and I was always training, always trying to get better and uh, had a motorcycle accident in 2010. And that basically stopped uh, all the potential for reaching the highest levels in the sports that I was pursuing. So shooting was the next obsession. You know, I didn't have to be the most athletic, but I'm athletic enough and, and I can still perform at the top of, you know, this industry and I could do it forever. You know, you see like Jerry Mitchell, like, what he was almost 70 years old and he's like still a beast of a shooter. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, uh, Taran Butler. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's... You don't have to be the most athletic to be one of the best in the world, you know? And, and, and that's, that was the, the allure. And I saw some defensive classes. Uh, it was actually a carving class first put up by Chris Fry of Modern Defensive Training Systems, who now runs Progressive Force Concepts. If you guys have heard that, that's in Vegas. Um, and I took that class, a rifle class, and I was hooked. So anyway, a couple months later, I started taking every class they offered in the area, pistol, rifle, shotgun, knife. First pistol classes I shot. So I was I was big on the, uh, at, that, at the time, I was still on the 45 is better than a 40 because it's not 44. And I had a Glock 21C. Right, big, big honking gun. And I shot a low light class with it. And that, I think that was the first class that I took was a low light pistol class. And it was a lot of uh, single hand shooting and it was compensated. The gun's compensated, so it's got the ports in the front. Mm. And my front my front side got, got dusty from all the carbon and then my rear side was bright. And I got my ass kicked <laughs> that, whole, that whole class. Oh, it was, it was not, it was not fun. <laughs> I mean, it was fun, but it wasn't fun. So, you know, one of the things I remember talking to Chris about at the end was, you know, he's like, man, he's like, you know, there are a lot of, a lot of people who shoot rifle and then shoot pistol that struggle with it. Yep. 
But if you're a good pistol shooter, chances are you'll still be a good rifle shooter. You'll be a better rifle shooter to start in relativity. And I'm like, well, now I have to make pistol like the thing. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. That, that started that started an obsession. Uh, at that at this point, it was 12, 12 years ago that 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 that's been. So that's pretty that's pretty cool, man. And it's just it's become more and more of an obsession as as time goes on. And it's still to this day, I. I go to sleep. I can't wait, wait to train the next day. I can't wait to dry fire like a weirdo in my garage, you know? Yeah. I mean that right. The, that's the difference between like being really driven into your hobby and having like, and, and I don't say this in a bad way, but like having an obsession with something that allows you to be at the, the tippy top when it's like, I'm excited to go back and do more yeah. of that instead of just like, I'm pretty good at that. I'll maybe I'll show up to the competition this weekend. Resting on your laurels. Yeah. Like always driving to get to uh, get better. I think that's an admirable trait in anyone. Absolutely, and and you know what it is too. Getting the opportunity to train train people and teach people. I've I've always been a natural teacher. So even when I started with with Chris, I remember the first class I approached him at the end. I'm like, well, what do you have to do to be able to instruct, instruct, and help teach, and this and that. So he gave me some information, and over the course of the next year and a half, I started going from being only a student to being a student and kind of helping with some setup and some, you know, some stuff, running some drills, getting my instructor certifications in 20, end of, mid end of 2012, and then helping him as an assistant instructor for five or six years. Um, and that's when I started training with guys like Travis Haley, Frank Proctor, uh, Tactical Performance Center, guys uh, who blended both the tactical world with the competition world and, and were able to do it very, very, very well. And that's when my, my mindset started shifting from, you know, competition would get you killed because I was one of those guys. I, I was one of those guys that said, oh, you know, it's, it's just a game. It's this and that. And I was wrong. So once I started training with guys who did both, the common theme that I heard, the common thing that they said was being able to perform at a high level in a competition under pressure means you have a, a high ability to process information under pressure. What that allows you to do is that allows you to have more bandwidth to make better decisions in the field. So guys who are law enforcement officers and military guys overseas if they were competition dudes also, they found that they were able to make better decisions. Their ability was subconscious when, it, when they had to decide to do something. But outside of that, their ability to process information was much higher. And that trickles down into everything. Like even if you were driving a car, being able to, being able to process a lot of information at high speed, provided you have the skill to support what it is, whatever it is that you're doing, will only help your ability in that, that moment. Yeah. That's actually a really cool way of looking at it. I hadn't thought of that. I, I'm familiar with the argument and agree with the argument that uh, that performing at a high level in competition will help you in regards to... And there's a lot of videos of... This is kind of a weird example. I'm going to go on a little bit of a tangent. Uh, the videos in Brazil when um, competition shooters were allowed yep. to uh, to concealed carry firearms. <laughs> and there, there's a few videos of, of competition shooters getting into, unfortunately, defensive sure. gun uses, but they perform at a very high level in what I'm sure is, you know, the, the probably the worst moment of their lives, but it all comes yeah. very naturally with them. 
Um, it would be silly to say that skills don't uh, translate, or that even worse, they'll get you killed. Right. As long so, and and that kind of leads into something that I tell tell people now. Most most people know me on Instagram as a as a competition or a performance based shooter. Most people don't realize that for five or six years I was only personal protection slash you know conceal carry before that. Oh, really? Before uh, before so, touching any competition stuff. Correct. So it so it ended up being that I would always perform to the top of the class in in whatever class I was in, and when I started training with the guys who blended performance and tactics slash defensive, uh, defensive use of handguns together, I started to see that there's another level and performance speaks to me as an athlete. So being a high performance athlete, I was always trying to climb this next level, this next level. So, and also when you're, when you're the big fish in the, in the small pond, you need to find a bigger water to swim in. Right. So that was, that was the thing. It's like, well, now, now let's see how far I can go in competition. And that's when, that's when 2018, I started competing and I, you know, I started my Instagram and all that stuff. And that's, that's, that's the moment from people where people see, but they don't see all the shit that happened beforehand. So the way that I define it is tactics is knowing what you need to, what you need to do and be able to execute it on demand to a high level. Right. Yeah. Provided you have the, tactical knowledge of the situation to perform to a high level like shooting a competition score as many points as you can in as little time as possible right uh like what jared does with cqb there are different rule sets associated with that but with the skill set as long as you have the skill being able to perform at a high level is only going to allow you the ability to make better decisions in those moments too yeah something i wanted to get into because it's kind of how we start off the conversation is kind of background of uh of shooters and kind of how important it is to develop like i've seen you basically saying how anyone can become a proficient high level shooter and i i think on a on a base level i agree with that but um for you like was there anything in your background aside from the um like kind of high level athletic stuff that you feel helped you um get to where you are as a shooter so the high level background athletics, I mean, that obviously helps in the sense that for one, so I, I played basketball the first time I dunked a basketball I was five, nine, and I was 12. Mm. I was 12 years old. I won. Uh, my dad, my dad said that if I could dunk a ball before I was 14, I would, he'd give me a hundred bucks. I did it a couple of days before I was 13. <laughs> I got, I got kicked out of recess in school for hanging on the rim. Um, <laughs> so, so I had, I had good genetics for in terms of like fast switch muscles i had very fast hands I, I, I could jump obviously very high which is a testament to you know how explosive your muscles can be at a, at a singular moment so that definitely helped from from the athletics background too um the knowledge of what it takes to be able to perform to the top of whatever your current comparison group is so i used to play uh, in basketball in the summers, what we would practice 40 hours a week and we would, we would do games probably one night a week. And then we'd go to tournaments on the weekends. So you kind of understand like, this is the grind. Like this is what the grind has to look like in order for you to get to the, to the top level. So from a mindset perspective and from a early now back in those days, I fucking hated it. Right. Cause I was a teenager. I didn't know any better. 
Like, yeah. you know, I, just, I, I think that's I just want to go hang thing. out with friends and jump, go in the pool and like do silly shit. But yeah, you know, my dad, my dad would get, he would tip the mattress over. He'd pour cold water on my face. You know, he would drive me everywhere. Like I'm really thankful for that now, but in those <laughs> moments, it's like, this, man, this motherfucker, you know, like, no, but, but he, honestly, if, if he didn't, if he didn't do that, like I wouldn't be where, where I was today too. So I'm very thankful for those, for those moments, but you don't realize it then. Uh, yeah. It comes out later when you have something that you really want to do. And now you have the power to know what it takes. Um, from an analytical engineering standpoint. So, so being a mechanical engineer by degree, like that helps me kind of look at things a little differently, even, even as it relates to the body. So a lot of things you hear, you guys hear me talk about in, in terms of how I, how I, portray information a lot of that comes more from like an engineering standpoint mm. you know the structure behind behind the elbows and why that and the straight line and this and that if you if you heard me talk about grip which you haven't yet but when i talk about grip in in a meaningful way like you'll hear very much it sounds like an engineer talking about it and simplifying it into more layman's terms so yeah. that allows me to see in greater depth what what will allow me to be successful in terms of skill development, mm. right? And then there's other things too. So I study, I study books on high performance all the time. So I've taken a lot from those. I've taken a lot of classes with different people, uh, every, everything from mental management to performance-based shooting. So I'm doing a leadership certification with John Maxwell right now. Um, I'm, it's all about learning and growth yeah. too. So you continue that process. Shooting is one of those things that you continue to put work in and you continue to try to grow, like you're going to reach uh, a good level of success. It's just continued effort, which can be the challenging point. Yeah, yeah. I, I think a lot of people, and myself included, like for the longest time, I got very comfortable with my level of shooting just because I thought I was hot shit with a rifle. And then yeah. you like, you know, you might feel like the best out of your small group and you're like, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll get these guys up to where I'm at. And then you shoot with someone who's higher level and you're like, I don't know a fucking oh, thing. Oh fuck! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is which is fantastic. It's it's an absolute pleasure to discover that. And like the more I've come across that um, over the years, the the more excited I've been to to learn more and to get to that higher level. But it does take, I think, um, the people who do this stuff best are the people. And I, I struggle with it as more of a like visual creative minded guy. Like it's always the people who can really delve into the technical um factors of they understand like physically exactly what needs to be done to um improve upon you know certain techniques rather than i when i hear this kind of stuff it it takes a little bit longer for me to track like i need someone to fucking show me what i'm doing incorrectly when like when me and nathan shoot together nathan will be like all right look at what i'm doing with my hands i'm like okay cool this makes sense but if i just hear someone kind of talking me through the process it's not going to do the same thing so so what where 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 you're going br is also people learn differently yeah, yeah, yeah so so the idea of someone who is an who is a good instructor is that they can take the information so it always starts this way right it starts off very simplistic because you don't uh, and i'm talking about myself as a shooter as, as an instructor right it starts off very simplistic because you don't know what the fuck you're doing you're kind of kind of fucking around trial and error, like trying to figure things out. Right. Yep. That's the very beginning. And then it goes very deep and complex. That's when you get the long, like engineering explanations of 
why this and that and blah, 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 you know, and it's a lot of words because the person who is saying it is trying to make sense of it themselves. They haven't done enough repetition on it. They haven't gone deep enough on it to really be able to simplify it for you. Yeah. Right. So then it goes from that. And then when you truly start to gain mastery of something, it starts to become very simple in the way that you can explain it that will deliver results. Right. So something as simple as, uh, you know, as elbow position, right? So we want we want our elbows to be in as straight a line as possible, right? And something I saw when you were when you were playing around with your gun, Nathan, your your elbows look very bent, but you might feel a little bit of balance from that. Yes. Right. So so the gun could look very flat. I know now he's getting his gun out because he, <laughs> he, he barely uh, needs any temptation. He will drive fire through a whole fucking show. Oh, me too. I I, totally, I, got, my, I got my guns back there. I mean, um, you can. You're you're welcome to. Yeah. No, I, I, I trained for about I trained for about ninety minutes or so today, so uh, I'm I'm happy to be here right now. Let my forearms recover. But so one of the things that I say, right? We want our elbows to be as straight line as possible. We don't want this slope up. We don't want too much bend. Elbows are always going to bend, always, and yeah. absorb shock. So the stiffer we can make them, the better off we're gonna we're gonna be able to absorb that recoil. But locking the elbows is no good. So the simplest way that I told people to get the ideal elbow position, if you, as, as an understanding, if you lock your elbows out and then pull the gun back about a half inch to an inch, right? And you guys can see this on video, but everybody's listening. Yeah. Lock them out, pull it back about a half inch to an inch. See how straight this is? Mm. But there's still a healthy bend in the elbows. And what that's going to do is that's going to give you a lot more structure behind the gun. And it's going to help you right? Uh, help the, the elbows and the body absorb recoil in a better way. And it's such a simple thing. People don't realize it. And I also do take like an upside down horseshoe and I try to, you know, rotate my elbows up a little more mm. and that pinches at the top. So that helps out a lot too. Um, all those little things, like they're simple. They don't have to be like crazy. If you want to think about gun position in the, in the firing hand, right? What I tell people is if, if they if they have their arm out and they trace their their forearm bone up into the palm by their pinky side, that's where the gun belongs. Because mm. when you do that and you yeah. pull back, it really solidifies the gun in space. So you can pretty much press the trigger as hard as you want. You'll feel when it's right because Nathan has his gun out. You'll feel when it's right because the gun feels very secure, right? You look. It looks like you're a little off there, Nathan. Since uh, since we're playing guns, I'll go get mine out here. Oh God, yes. Okay, hell yeah. Uh, audio pistol shooting lesson day. ASMR pistol shooting. It's only a shame you can't see this fancy this fancy fake Beretta that I shoot. <laughs> so what, what is that? Oh, so this a... this is a Gerson Regard Gen Three. Interesting. Foretta, I love this gun. This gun is amazing. Um, very well balanced, great, great weight. I feel like I can, there's not a lot of weight in the slide. It's about 36, 37 ounces, which is not that heavy. Yeah. And the recoil is reasonably soft because of the, the locking block design, but the gun darts around from target to target so fast. Mm. It's fun. Anyway, so, so what I say is I put it right here, All right? You see how, you see how now you guys can't see on the, on the, on the podcast, but in here, the back strap of the gun is fully encompassed by my palm. And you should be able to feel that, Nathan. Right? Yeah. And when it's done right, 
like I could press this trigger. This is a seven pound, a six and a half, seven pound double action trigger. And you can see here, it's not moving. Yeah. And you should be able to press that trigger reasonably aggressive without having it move. All right. Now, if I shift it over and I do the same exact trigger press, you guys will see it here. I'll tell the, I'll tell the audience what's happened. Watch this. Oh, yeah. Up and to the right. Yep. <laughs> because what's happening is when you press the trigger seven pounds back, the gun has to be able to support seven pounds. So what happens is because it can't, it moves. Hmm. So by putting it in the palm and pulling straight into the palm, now, once I fix that, like the gun doesn't move. I can press That's this. Interesting. That's a big I think, take. I think I've been overcompensating with my support hand to to try and make up for that. Um, well, the support hand can help you in the sense that it can compensate for firing hand push. Oh, yeah. we're gonna get in, we're gonna have some fun now. So firing <laughs> hand push, right? Firing hand. Everyone, if you're listening to this, I don't care where you are. Uh, if you're at work, I don't care. If you're on the freeway, I don't care. Pull out your pistols and start dry firing with us. <laughs> Just in traffic. So, so getting into that, right? So what happens is this. Firing hand tension is, is typically this. People go from, they're told to hold the gun with the firing hand light, right? You guys have probably heard that before? Yeah. Relax the firing hand? Yes. Yeah, yep, yep. Which is awesome until you start shooting and you don't feel like you're holding the gun tight enough. Then you go from 10% to 100% and you get this push, mm. right? So what I've learned through experimentation and all these different things is the middle finger is really the one that's the most responsible for, for uh, trigger finger tension or trigger freeze. You guys have gotten that before? Yeah. yeah. Where you're going to yeah. shoot and you, your finger gets locked. That's a sign of too much tension in your whole hand locking the, the trigger finger in place. Yeah. Okay. So the finger that's most responsible for that is the fuck you finger. It's the middle middle finger. <laughs> right? So if I you guys see here, the audience, I'm just holding my hand up, hand up to them. If I move my pinky, you see how my, my index finger doesn't move that much? You guys could try this at home. If oh. I move my ring finger, it doesn't move that much. But watch what happens when I move my middle finger. Yep. Huh. So what I do is I put the gun in that spot in my hand and then I apply pressure towards the ring and the pinky finger. What that does, I can grip this as hard as I want and I still have full dexterity in my finger. I'm gripping this pretty much 100% as, as with the bottom here and I still have somewhat movement here. This is not that tight, right? And I still have dexterity. It also locks the wrist in place so the gun doesn't rise as much on you. Interesting. And now I can be pretty aggressive with the trigger and it doesn't really move. So the support hand, what that helps if you have a problem where you're pushing left and you're in the moment, the most common correction I give people is this. Tighten your support hand, rotate your support elbow. Because that provides resistance to what the firing hand is trying to do. It doesn't solve the problem. You solve the problem through dry fire and dry fire even single-handed will help that, mm. right? But it will, in the moment, take you from shooting left to shooting center. Pretty much immediately. I think I, I leaned on that a little too hard. That's generally what I do. Mm -hmm. um, you and, know what you have done? Uh, Enough single hand it? shooting? Yeah. 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 So that's, well, that's really what Not good at single handed shooting. Uh, enough to well, get through, you know, the T Rex course of fire, you know. 
basic yeah, basic get a stuff. lot better. So yes. the first thing, interestingly enough, and this is from, uh, so everything came from other things too. So being creative and resourceful with information, if you apply it to what we're talking about, my, my thing I always used to say was that I'm not that good at thinking outside of the box. So my solution to that was to make the box as large as possible. <laughs> so that little tip I gave you guys about the firing uh, gun in the firing hand, that came from starting strength. Have you guys ever heard of Mark Ripito and starting strength? Uh, no, actually. So that he, he does a very good, very good lifting program to get people oh, really strong yes, fast, yes, right? I have heard of this. Now, one of the one of the things in that is the press, the overhead press. And he tells you not to be straight, but actually to curl your hands over the bar so that when you wrap under, the bar sits on those bones. You get the most power transmission into the bar for lifting more weight. Hmm. That makes sense. So I said, huh, we could probably apply that to guns. <laughs> so that's, and that's, I've been doing that for three, four years at this point. Mm. Now, the next thing, uh, the next thing to think about also is practicing strong hand only work first. So Michael Jordan, best basketball player in the world, arguably, right? He's my, he's my idol when I was young. The first thing, I read Tim Grover's book, and this is a great book for anybody listening. Uh, he's got two of them, Relentless and Winning, by Tim Grover. He was Michael Jordan's trainer for 15 years. Michael Jordan started off every single session with a chest pass. The most simple thing you could do in basketball, and that's what the greatest player of all time started off with. So I heard that information. I said, well, a trigger press is probably the simplest thing I could do. Mm. So I started off with this. It's called trigger control at speed, where you have a, a, a beep from the timer. Yes. You start on uh, target. Good. You have that in your video. Yes. Yep. In, uh, in the Orion dry fire training video, I have that also. Yeah. So um, what that is, you, that's, that's a trigger press with some time pressure added to it. And the intention is to press the trigger in time twice as hard as you need to and not have the gun move while being within the, the, the initial beep, which is three tenths of a second, four tenths of a second. Okay. So I always practice it strong hand only, weak hand only first. Why? Why do you think? I'd imagine kind of the, and th this is me completely prophesizing. You, you were mentioning, you were mentioning that if you're good with a pistol, you're probably good with a rifle. If you are uh, good with a rifle, it doesn't necessarily translate the other way. It's half of a motion. Um, it's a more complicated motion than shooting with both hands. It isolates, you know, technique into you one of your hands. Whereas gripping, say what I've been doing, over gripping with my left hand is easy. This breaks down your fundamentals into one thing that you have to be good at. J just a guess. Yep, that's it, it. So you went, you went a little on the deep. So you went into the complex, right? You went really trying to figure out the, the nitty gritty of it. The 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 simple answer, and and that's not. Listen, that's great. That's a good. It is the right answer. It's a good answer. The simple answer is this: because you don't have your support hand, your firing hand grip and your path of movement of your finger need to be near perfect if you're pressing the trigger aggressively under time pressure mm. for it to be good. Yeah. And what that's going to do. You accumulate, let's say you do 10 to 20 of those every day, right? It'll take you 30 seconds to 45 seconds to do it. 
you do that every day for three months. What's going to happen to your 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 two-handed shooting? Your single-handed shooting is going to get better, but your two-handed shooting is going to rock. Because now, now you're already this. This part is perfect. Now this is just bonus. Yeah. You guys haven't seen the. Uh, I don't think you've even seen the video where I even take the firing hand away totally and I just hold it with my support hand. That's another freaky one. This that's wait, a mindfuck for people. Wait, what? Oh yeah, hold on. Let me let me. Uh, while we're here, <laughs> while you guys watch, I'm learning this, so much. People Genuinely. love this one, by the way. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna copy this link to you. Uh, where is it? Hold on. Let me find you guys here. I'm going to copy this link to you and you guys could just kind of watch that on your own time. <laughs> so, so this just demonstrates you really don't need the firing hand for recoil control. And that's with 40. I was shooting a 40, uh, a 40 Cal 2011 there. I was sponsored by Atlas Gunworks, uh, for a couple of years. Um, holding it with the support hand only and literally doing this with my finger. Huh. To work. Yeah. So that just tells you how much the firing hand is really needed, but what I've also learned in time is that how hard, how tight you hold the gun with your firing hand is really user subjective. Hmm. So what has to happen, it has to be that the gun doesn't move around your hands. So you guys. Yes. Your Gersan, so, uh, not so, Retta. So yeah, faux Retta, faux, faux Retta. So we have here, right? I'm, I'm barely holding the gun here, right? I don't have my finger. The gun's just resting in my hand and you can see the bottom of the grip wiggling here. So yeah. I'm just going to, I need to grip hard enough that that stops happening, right? Mm. For, for you guys, good reference for, uh, for, for Mr. BR there, wet noodle handshake, <laughs> yeah, yeah. right? That's, that's how tight I need to hold it. And it feels awful. Like it just feels disgusting, but right. That's, that's, that's what needs to happen. That's maybe 10% of my grip. I, you know, it feels barely anything you guys see here. So the next part I'll point you guys to now, this is good, but watch my wrist joint. See how that moves. Mm. yeah and now i just have to apply my wrist joint is moving because my wrist isn't like locked in place through the muscles in the form so all i do is i add more pressure at the ring and pinky finger till that stops now you see it's all one right yep <laughs> and that's how tight yeah. i have to hold the gun need to yeah. how tight you want to i found that that it's dependent on the user for me personally i hold the gun pretty tight with those two fingers like I hold it probably 80, 80%, 90%. Like I'm not, I, a percentage thing isn't good, but I'm putting a good amount of effort into holding that gun tight. Yeah. Especially yeah. shooting single-handed. But now if I could do that and I could work the trigger, if I could work the trigger as much as I want to without the gun moving, like you can see here, like I'm moving that and the gun doesn't move. What do you think that does to my ability to actually shoot live? Oh, it speeds you up a hell of a lot. It gives me a lot of potential for, for good results, right? You know, so that doesn't replace, you know, actually being acclimated to, to live fire. But for someone who's a casual shooter or someone who's learning, that's automatically going to improve your results. Yeah. Matter of fact, a lot of this stuff that, that we just talked about, what will happen is because you've become more efficient. Your first couple shots when you start shooting fast are going to go straight down low. Yeah. Why do you think that might be? Uh, I've always noticed that happens to me if I'm not conscious of my support hand grip. I would imagine that this is uh, because we, we are talking about isolating hands. That's not really a factor in what you're asking. So so where I'm kind of going is a little bit it's a little bit uh, more gross. So uh, nine nine millimeter recalls about 10 pounds of force approximately. 
because you have all these inefficiencies, let's say you have to so nine or 10 comes back, you have to push back with 13 mm. to get it to go back on target. There's always a bracing. And when you shoot fast, you always do have to push on the gun a little bit. Right. Yeah. Let's say you solve all these things and now you're perfectly efficient, hundred percent, but you haven't really gotten a chance to try it out and shoot it at the range. So you get 10 coming back. All you need is 10 going forward, but you put 15 in. What's going to happen to the extra five? Yeah. You're going to dip. Push, yeah, push straight, straight low. And that's something people have said to me. They said, man, you know, like the gun, the gun feels a lot better, but I'm shooting low. So well, it's because you're now doing it correctly. Your body's used to doing it inefficiently. Now you're doing it efficiently so that excess is going down. Mm. That's the simple, that's as simple as it is. If I pushed you real hard and then all of a sudden I pushed you light, what would you do? Gonna crash into the brace. Yep. Yeah. Or you fall on your face if I moved out of the way, right? Yeah. I've done that to people too. And I've had that done to me where, where uh, okay, I'm, I, I know I know what's happening. I know what's going to happen. And all of a sudden it happens and I still go forward. It's so subconscious. We are here with a quick word from our sponsors, Attorneys for Freedom, and some all new additional benefits they've added to their Attorneys on Retainer program. If you're like 90% of our listenership and live stateside in the US and listen to this show, Chances are you carry a gun. If you do, you should consider the legal implications of carrying and using that gun for self-defense. Nathan and I use Attorneys for Freedom to give us peace of mind. Attorneys for Freedom offer a drastically different setup to most run-of-the-mill concealed carry insurance programs. Attorneys for Freedom specialize in real criminal defense, providing experienced attorneys on retainer for self-defense cases across all 50 states. Attorneys for Freedom's coverage is extensive, handling scenarios often overlooked by others, such as defensive display of a firearm, self-defense from home intrusion, protection against imminent threats of serious bodily injury or death, and civil lawsuits from attackers or their families, as well as self-defense scenarios such as using while in gun-free zones or sensitive areas, while under the influence or on medication, when you knew your attacker, or while using any weapon in self-defense, from a firearm to household objects or otherwise. But there's more. With Attorneys for Freedom, you're assured of steadfast support without the fear of being dropped or facing payback demands, even in police situations. They're ready to cover 100% of your attorney fees if they can argue self-defense in serious felony charges. Nathan and I have already joined, and it's a breeze for you to do so too. The National Self-Protection Plan kicks off with a $100 one-time fee and just $35 a month thereafter, offered for family or annual plans for even greater value. Signing up through the link in our show notes or the CBNR Instagram bio not only supports our show, but also secures you an arsenal of additional benefits. Up to $1,000 towards firearm replacement if confiscated, up to 10 mental health counseling sessions capped at $1,500, legal representation for non-self-defense matters at 35% off attorney rates, and many more incredible benefits detailed via the link in the show notes or at attorneysonretainer.us slash artandwar. Ensure you're covered in every state and ready for anything with Attorneys for Freedom. Support the show and gain peace of mind knowing you have the best in legal defense on your side. Thanks for listening. How's it going, lads and ladies? BR here with a quick word from the longest-running sponsor of the Art and War podcast, Advanced Warfighting Solutions. AWS have been making tough-as-hell gear for decades right here in the U.S. in North Carolina. Nathan, myself, and thousands of others run that gear through the ringer and trust our lives to it, whether that's LARPing in the woods or dragging kit through war zones. AWS manufactures many great packs, pouches, plate carriers, and our personal favorite, the SMU Operator Belt. A set-and-forget gun belt that crushes in build quality, capability, and excellent feedback from its many users. We are tough on our gear here at Art War, and the SMU takes that treatment in its stride. Though already at a sweet price point, you can knock $10 more off your SMU belt with the code ARTANDWAR10 at awsin.com. The code and link to the AWS website can be found in the show description. Thanks for listening, now let's get back to the show.
Yeah, those are the kind of things that I seem to pick up. Like, every time I learn something new about handgun shooting, I will then discover a new issue. Because, yes. like, I, I, have, I, I have fixed something, and now, like you said, I'm now overcompensating for... Because uh, because I had, like, bad fundamentals, and I've been, like, all of 2023 for me with handgun was kind of identifying the bad habits I'd picked up just to be, like, a very mediocre but okay I could use my handgun if I needed to protect myself kind of level. And then kind of going back through five years of being in the States, being like, okay, what are all of my hiccups and um, bad habits that I picked up from, you know, being told by a guy who might know what he's on about or a friend kind of like, Oh, no, no, I do this, and then just copying exactly what they do, but it's not quite right for me. So it, it, it's, it, it is quite a long journey. Like, for you, um, learning, learning handgun shooting, was there any, um, aside from what we've already kind of covered, were there any big sticking points that were uh, quite revelatory for you to get better as a shooter? A lot of them were, were these kind of things. Grip kind um, of. So, so it's always, it's always kind of gone this way. I've always spent the majority of my time and focus on probably one or two items. Okay. So in the beginning, right. And, and this is pretty much cyclic to the point where I, I, I actually tell people this is what they should do because if you work on everything, you, Hey, you, you take your dry fire session. Let's say, let's say you do 60 minutes and you break it up evenly into, into all these different skills. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You make those skills one to two percent better over the course of a couple months. You're not you're not that much better. Yeah. But if you take what I call uh, 80, 20, right, if you take 20 percent of the inputs that are going to get you 80 percent of the out of the output of the result, it's usually one or two things. And you go deep on that shit. Now you become significantly better at those things. Yeah. And now you're a different person entirely. And. So that was my thing chasing reloads, right? People know me for my reloads because they're fast and whatever. Yeah, they, they look like video game reloads. Yeah, they're, they look like, like CGI. Yeah. <laughs> and I those appreciate are the fact you put also. a video about that too. Yes. Uh, that, that's helped me a ton. You know, uh, yeah, the, the free drills, I mean, they have they have uh, draw, presentation, sewing machine, and reloads, uh, which are all very, very useful. They all, they all were based on a pursuit of like what we're talking about. Yeah. Now... You've gone deep on this one, one or two things. Now, how deep can you go on the other things? Because you understand what it takes mm. to really go deep on a topic and become an expert or a real master at that topic, right? So yeah. that's that's how that's super, super, super important. So so in my journey, it was the first thing I wanted to learn how to do. Well, for one, shoot a handgun, period. But two, you know, you ever heard of surgical speed shooting? No. So it sounds cool. And it is cool. It was my first obsession, right? Being able to hold a fist size group at three yards, shooting quarter quarter second per shot or, or faster. Yeah. That was my first obsession. Okay. So there was that. And I became very obsessed with that. And that's where I, my sewing machine drill that you get, you'll see in the free, free drills video. Um, that's where I came up with this exercise. Cause I want to be fucking awesome at that. And I didn't really care for like the cadence method of shooting. You guys have heard of that, I'm sure. Yeah, oh, like, like one thousand, two thousand, three thousand. Yeah. yeah. So you, so so here's a good here's an interesting thing. Uh, for one, that tie, that commits you to a shooting pace. And what is the most important cadence to master? Oh uh, gosh, I I, mean, I, I, you, I you got would, me. 
I would guess <laughs> it would be shooting as quick as your gun can reset. Okay. What do you think, Nathan? You got to answer something. You can give me God. whatever. It doesn't matter. I mean, I, I, mean, I like it, it when the guests put us on the spot. <laughs> not necessarily as fast as your gun can reset, but uh, shooting the fastest cadence that your gun can return to the same general okay, point that's of aim. Okay, that's better. Like, like doubles. Okay. Like um, they sound like good answers, right? Yeah, and I'm probably wrong. I, well, I can already see your face. <laughs> Even if Nathan's is wrong, I switched my answer to his. <laughs> so, so in, te- in teaching, in teaching this, right? The yeah. thing that I learned was this. Let's let's uh, let's put ourselves in the class situation, right? You guys are going to watch how the gun moves. This is how most instructors do this, right? Mm. All right, we're going to do the one one thousand, right? Right, one one thousand two, one thousand three, right? You see how so yeah. so for the people listening, the gun rises up way high. It takes all of one second to come back down on target. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Then what happens? Well, and the students do this and they shoot just fine at one one thousand, but then they suck when they're going fast. Right. Yeah. So the most important cadence is actually the slowest one because what you want is this, right? One one thousand two one thousand three. Right, the gun's going up for people listening. Gun goes right up, comes right back down, and then I'm waiting for eight tenths of a second before I press the next shot. Mm. Yeah, if you get the gun recoiling, it goes up a little bit, it comes right back to point of aim right away. Now, when you're actually shooting the faster cadences, now all you're doing is pressing the trigger faster. Mm. So, if you get that slow cadence perfect. All you're doing is pressing the trigger fast. And that was the, so the sewing machine drill was kind of come up because I didn't like the cadence method. And that allowed me to build speed based on that concept. Picture an automatic sewing machine going back and forth, minimal rise, returns back to the same spot. And you are looking for that picture. The subconscious works on images, not words. Or if we're thinking words, that's conscious thought and that, that disrupts our performance. The subconscious works on images, so that image of the gun coming back, rise, rise, well, that way, rising up and coming right back down. That's a pretty powerful image, and then you can your your subconscious will try to make that happen. That's interesting. Yeah. I've and never thought of happening. Speed up, and the group should not open up appreciably when it's done correctly. That's something wow. else. That's something else. Big so, on my to do list is to uh, to speed up because, like, I was getting to the point. Like, it obviously it starts out where you're like. I'm a meh shooter. You tighten your groups, and it's like, okay, well now I need to go faster. And now, like, I am, I am still in the infantile stages. I, I think of my pistol shooting, but that's where I'm at now. And even with my rifle shooting, I can definitely speed it up. Where it's like, okay, that's that's what I need to work on next. But the cadence stuff has been a struggle for me. So like, yeah. So I would try. I would try this exercise, um, this sewing machine exercise. Because what that the whole purpose of that the whole purpose of that exercise was to be able to shoot as many shots as I wanted to without getting trigger freeze, be able to hold that group at full trigger speed and have full awareness of what was happening with the gun the entire time. Yeah. And not to be not to be committed to a pace. So so I didn't realize it then, but it, it actually created a lot of awareness of what was going on in the gun. Plus this works on your grip tremendously. Because in my case, I would do, you know, 10 round strings. So you start off, the first couple would be like what I call measurement shots, where you're getting that, that effect to happen. 
And then the last four or five shots would be full speed. Mm. And the group would stay reasonably tight, like two to three inches at five, five to seven yards. And that's, that's the intention of, of the, the exercise there. Right. That's and also, I don't know if you, I don't know if you guys, how you guys feel about this, but you, have you ever heard someone's, you know, the slow down and get your hits gang? Um, how, how do you mean? Someone comes up to you shooting, you're having, having trouble and they say, slow down and get, you got to slow down. You got you to get your hits. Mm. I, I've been very lucky in the fact that most of my shooting, which has been pretty consistently, you know, when, when the weather allows once to twice a week, it has for the last many, many years, just been in the middle of nowhere. Uh, I, I don't like dealing with people. Um, so, so BR, you look like you heard, you've heard that yourself a couple times. Yeah, no, for sure. So, so if anybody ever tells you that, you know what that means? Nope. What's that? That means they don't know what to tell you <laughs> because they can't see what's happening and they don't understand what's happening at speed to give you the right mm. uh, advice to, to succeed. Just a blanket. Uh, it's a blanket. It's a blanket cover-up statement. Yeah. Right. By slowing down, you mat you might mask the problem. You could also do it just as shitty and slow. Yeah. But I've seen that too. You could be more deliberate, which just means what? We're paying attention. And I've seen people become more deliberate and faster at the same time. But what happens is they can't see at speed what's happening. So they, in order to make themselves feel better, they just slow, just slow down. And then you get a hit or two. And they're like, yeah, you know, well, yeah. just, <laughs> instructor credentials verified. Yes, yeah. exactly. And my, my buddy, my buddy, my buddy came up with that. So he's a law enforcement guy and, and, and he saw, he taught uh, on the SWAT teams in, in, in NYPD and him and I worked very close together. And, and that was his, that was actually his, his uh, commentary there. Cause they just don't, they don't know. They can't, they can't see it. And that, and, and, me, someone like me, I'll never tell you to slow down. Fast and slow is, is a result, right? And and how you're focusing your attention and what solutions you're working on will can get you the results. Now, you may slow down as a result of paying more attention to one or two things, which is fine. But slowing down is not the answer, right? It's, it's doing something different, changing one thing at a time until seeing if it is it better, is it worse, is it the same? So I'll give you guys a, for instance, here's a good one. When I was working uh, at one second draws from concealment, right? So I was doing a Travis Taylor deliberate practice drill. Very, very good drill. Uh, I've used it with a, a lot of students to get very good results. Starts off at five seconds and you have to break the shot at full extension and you have to break the shot within plus or minus a tenth of a second of the time. Yeah. Five seconds is miserable. <laughs> anyway, but then you go five and then you go four and then you go three and then you go two and then you go to one and a half seconds. So I'm breaking the shot at one and a half seconds. And then I go one second and then below at one second. I was having a problem pulling the gun left, pull, pulling the shots left. Okay. But at one and a half, it wasn't present. So I was like, what the fuck is going on? Mm. The thing that I realized, and this is where that presentation process comes from. The thing that I realized is that one and a half seconds, I had all my time, all this time in the world relatively to get my fingers touching, clamped on, present the guns to fire, right? But at one second, I was pushing the gun out so hard and I wasn't clamping the gun fast enough. So when I would come out and I tighten my support hand, the gun would go to the left. Mm. 
right? For the same reason that, that the gun moves in the hand when it's not in the right position, right? The fingers are actually pulling the gun into the support hand versus the support hand already being clamped onto the gun. So what do I do? Do I slow down? Obviously no. not because my draws are under a second. But so the idea was this. I was thinking about it and I was like, okay, I think this is the problem. So all I'm going to do is tell myself to clamp early. Get on the gun so fingers touch, palm touches right away, and I start applying pressure right away. And then the gun goes out. Yeah, you, you that had moment, that in your, uh, your draw video. Uh, fingers, yep. then palm, then pressure. Then leverage, yep. Yeah. So that, that anybody listening, fingers, palm, pressure, leverage, that is the presentation process part of the draw or any sort of, hey, I'm coming into a position, I, I want to start shooting. After a reload, I do the same, the same thing presenting the gun out. That's going to lock the gun in place better. Your grip should be ready to shoot before you're even on target. And it's going to put the dot or the sights in, in the center of the target more often for most people. Yeah, You can try uh, it now. Since I noticed uh, you like uh, dry firing based on the, the, the few changes and the, the few tips that you put into your uh, video that uh, I implemented, holy crap, just everything's more consistent. Just like slightly faster, slightly more consistent. Like the dot always comes up to the eye every time. It, it's great. It's great. And imagine what, imagine what a month or two of work consistently on that will do for you. Yeah. It's been like three days and everything's already significantly more. <laughs> and it wasn't, you know, I'm not going to tat myself on the back or whatever. It wasn't overly inconsistent beforehand. I'm, I'm like an okay shooter, but it yeah, helps a lot. Week. <laughs> yeah. it, it, that's just, again, the autism and the, uh, the poor time management. But <laughs> Listen, man, like it's, it's, it's enough of an, of a, of an effect for most people that, like even even USPSA magazine posted an article, the article I wrote about that thing, you know. And I see, so I see you there. Yes, yeah, so yeah, you lock out, you pull a little back, and yeah. then, like I said, I can I can press this trigger as hard as I want to. Yeah, like I'm not. Being I'm just gentle. pulling it as hard as I can back towards me, and nothing's moving. Yeah. So. And how how good does that feel, man? It feels good. I mean, the the key is to do that with one hand because I still get a bit of dot movement. So where's the dot moving? The dot is moving slightly upwards, not really to the right or anything. So it's it's. I've been experimenting now with uh, where the grip's sitting in my palm, which you were you were mentioning before. Think about this. Think about yep. think about see, see if you could put your finger a little higher in the trigger face. Let's see if that'll make a difference. See finger a little higher towards the knuckle or towards the uh... a little so not so finger this is your trigger face bring it a little higher you could okay. be pressing the trigger in an upward motion see if that does anything for you it's a little less movement so so what might be happening is that you might be pressing like your finger path is not straight back yeah it's actually at an upward angle mm. yeah so that's why I say normally people will push it a little down. And I'll tell yeah. them to bring their finger lower on the trigger face, but uh, but in your case, if it's straight up and it's it's a it's a little bit, it's probably that. Or and you could also try tightening the the ring and pinky finger a little more. Okay. Yeah, give that a try and see if it see if it helps the movement also. Oh yeah, yeah. So in that case, what's happening is the the gun is moving into your hand up a little bit. Yeah. So like when you press the trigger, it's kind of, it's kind of doing a little bit of this. Yeah. 
I'm exaggerating, but you get the idea. Those those little things make a make a big difference. I'm I'm learning so much. It's to the point where it's like, <laughs> if it wasn't you know after dark, after as soon as we were done, I would just run to the range. You know, like right. hop in the Prius, you know, to- toss a box of nine mil and uh, my uh, hearing protection in the back and just go. Dude, and and when you get a chance, like let me let me know how that works out too. Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. I'll be bugging you a bunch. Uh, regarding the guides in the coming weeks oh we have to we have to do that i mean listen yeah. we got we could do so much information if there's anybody that has any interesting topics about pistols they would like us to talk about like we could definitely make something make some good yeah. information for you guys and that, i think that would be a lot of fun to do yes even over this call you know i i shoot a lot and again like i, I shoot to okay proficiency but that doesn't mean that i'm not doing things wrong and it seems that i've been doing the wrong things for a long time so it seems like a lot of habits to be unlearned well that's it's that's something just, oh sorry good i was, no, I was gonna say here. that that's something that i think it doesn't matter what part of this space you're in whether it's even the medical stuff or the shooting or radios like there's always things that are bleeding edge right now in 10 15 years will be wrong quote unquote in you know a little a little bit more time like while they might be like techniques are always evolving we can always do things better and we can always identify you know what's kind of old hat and uh kind of antiquated but yeah well you ever used to watch the videos of the uh like 20 30 40 years ago the professional pistol shooters there like the the guys at the top of their game i watched those and i'm not particularly good but like i can do that 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 seems not particularly like things have evolved quite a bit since then. Techniques have evolved quite a bit since then. I think the overall standard for performance has gone up significantly. Well, I, I think might be the advent to the internet, the internet too, right? So, yeah. so YouTube and all that stuff. There's a lot of free information out there. Yes, um, which I love. I'm all about that. Well, and I think so. So my philosophy is give give away as much as I possibly can. Yeah, and then and then the way that I always picked the people that I wanted to take a class with. And, and patronize yeah. would be would be people who I watched a bunch of their shit before before I ever did anything with them. You I know, agree. so the first guy I trained with when I started competing was Robert Vogel, and and I watched the I consumed a lot of his content, and then I reached out to him via email. He was super nice to respond, and I I booked a class with him. It was July of 2018 was my first competition oriented class, and it was it was a great experience. You know, I think that's a nice thing too about this this community is that everybody's pretty accessible. So if you want to reach out to somebody, like we're not, it's not like we're we're these fucking celebrities. We're not like we're regular we're regular people. Like yeah, you know, I have a day job. I'm a, I'm a regular regular nerd at some place in in plastic injection molding, and it's uh, you know, but I'm around to answer questions. I want to help people, and and you find that that this community is very a lot of people are very willing to help and yeah. that's important yeah the, the more accessible people are generally the more um i'll a trust their knowledge and b see that it's not just kind of like snake oil salesman kind of yeah. behavior like if someone has the the gatekeeping mentality of oh to learn all these super secret techniques you have to come to my class it's like that is telling me that you're selling a gimmick rather than like, hey, here are the techniques that you could learn and come to my class and I will personally one-to-one tutor you on these and, and talk you through it. Like, those are very different kind of sales pitches to 
Like, <laughs> you have to come to this place and pay to f to unlock the secret knowledge compared to... No, you can... Anyone can learn this stuff, but come and do it in person and we'll, we'll like, make sure you master it. And I, I see the market trending much more towards, thankfully, um, like, hey, this is just going to be a one-on-one -on -one, um, guided way to learn these things instead of, like, instead of the usual gatekeeping we used to get more with kind of, especially with, like, the more mill and LEO-oriented classes. Those seem to be all but dead now. It's just people, apart from, like, obviously, very specific uh sort of lessons we're getting more into a freedom of, freedom of information culture these days well and i think i so even if you and this is myself included when i was when i was when i watched these things even if you watch all the content it's not you're not going to exactly understand it in the way it might be intended to be understood mm. yeah so so i you know i watched all vogel stuff watched it all and i applied it as I knew and I, you know, get, it got me results. And then when I did it with him, it was even more eye opening because you get those little things for you specifically that click it together fully. Yep. And I mean, that's, and that's what, what the power of giving that, giving that stuff away, people are going to consume it. That's going to help them. And then they're going to encounter sticking points, right? And those sticking points are probably from little bits of, discrepancies between what they think it actually is and what it actually is yeah yeah that's that's been a struggle of mine like kind of trying to learn those good habits over the years and maybe like just just from a youtube video and then accidentally teaching myself bad habits from not getting the complete picture and even just you yeah. describing i mean nathan's you know like watched some of your stuff and been practicing a little bit of it and then just you having even you know, a quick 10 minutes one-on-one -on -one with him here on this call, like just, hey, yes, do this, it's just adding a little a different. Of, yeah. Yeah, I'm here obsessively dry firing <laughs> just to like keep the memory in before it fades so I can do this later. Well, that's why, and that's why I set up the online lessons too, right? The online Zoom lessons. Those, I've been doing those for a couple of years now. And, uh, and, and it's very powerful because I, you can see things that you can't normally see in a class too. So like, like Nathan pointing his gun at the camera would, would not be an issue. They haven't made the technology where you can shoot through, through a camera yet. Right. <laughs> yeah. The little robots haven't, haven't done that shit yet. Oh, so the CIA might have it. So, so right. So he can, they can point the gun at the camera and I can, I can clearly see everything from the front. I can really give you a lot of, a lot of feedback based on that. We can't really get that in a class as we I hope not. <laughs> yeah. No, oh, fuck no. I'm not, you know, I'm not standing in front of a gun. I'm not, that's, un I'm not that's unloaded, right? All right. Let me see your, yeah. let me see your point. Yeah. No, thank you, man. I've seen, I've seen too many, too many horror videos of that, but even then I can, I can train, I train people all over the world because of this opera, this kind of opportunity and it gets results for people, you know, which is, it's, it's just a good, it's a good opportunity. Nobody has to travel everywhere. You don't have to spend 1500 bucks, you know, booking a flight and a hotel and all that stuff. It just works out. It works out really well, and that's one of the one of the benefits of technology too. Just like we're having this conversation here, and I can give Nathan a, a semi semi little little lesson while I'm kind of just watching him fuck around with his pistol. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. Uh, and we can have we can have something that he's excited about to go to the range and try out. Yeah, you I'm know? going to and be I, dry firing this like all night. I hope you know. <laughs> <laughs>
I wouldn't I wouldn't expect any less. <laughs> Excellent. But but yeah, no, that's it's just that's that's the fun part about all this stuff too. And and going back to way way back at this point, just the obsession of one or two things at a time that's going to get you close closest to your result is really where I focused, you know, so it was, it was recall control. Then it was the conceal carry draw. Right. Then it yeah. was, um, open carry draws and reloads. Then it now, right now it's actually transitions, uh, movement and information processing. So actually something you guys can play around with. Nathan's going to, going to, gonna go crazy doing this oh, no. i'm gonna give you this i'm gonna copy this and paste it in the chat i'm so curious and... we should save these for the uh the notes the uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yes the description yeah so so here you go this is this is concentration grids and and so this is so again being resourceful and thinking about ways to be able to improve your craft at any time i use this so at work we make parts uh, on machines and they take 30 to 60 seconds to make plastic parts so in the short term, I this link, it's called concentration grids. I do five by five, five columns, five rows. And it generates a grid, and it's always different every time. And you click the numbers, one through whatever. And preferably do it on the phone because the phone is faster. Okay. Yeah. It's always random. You have to process the information, make a plan, and act on it by using your fingers or thumbs to press it, kind of like pressing a trigger, as fast as you can, and it's timed. And what that allows, what I've noticed is just for playing that over and over again, you know, a couple minutes a day, five, 10 minutes a day for a year, I noticed my ability in shooting and my awareness in shooting has gone up too. Hmm. So it's a tremendous being information. Able to respond to stimulus or uh, process yes. information faster. Yes. Because I'm trying to get, I'm trying to get as fast a time as I can. I currently have the high score for six by six and eight by eight on that website. Um, I was trying, I'm, I'm close to the five by five. I think it was 10th or 12th. Um, you're going to play it and you're going to be like, what the fuck? How does he fucking do this? Um, <laughs> my fastest time for the five by five is a five twenty. So it's got 25 numbers. You got to press them in order one through 25. That's interesting. You're going to see it. You'll see. And like I said, doing it, doing it for about a year. It's I've totally seen awareness increases in my ability of shooting higher speed stuff. And this is just something you can do like on the bus, you know, exactly. And just in, in a coffee shop, just wherever. Right. You become, you just become obsessed. You become obsessed over something and you think of it, of ways to, to improve it everywhere. I like I used that. to, in, at the end of my, at the end of my work day, I would do like movement drills in, in the back of my, my building without a gun. Yeah. You know, but I pretend like, you know, I'd hold my arms up like I had a gun, but, but. I was just doing anything, anything that I could do to fill, to, to take that time and try to get a little better. Security guard watching you on the cameras, like, no, they know what I do. No, <laughs> no that's just Rob. This is Rob doing a shooting thing. <laughs> and he, he, here I am, like tapping the the uh, screen of my computer like a cat. I, I don't know <laughs> if you could just see the. the I, I, ima I imagine that's not doing too much for you. Wait until oh. you try. So. Real, real quick tips for those, right? Yeah. This is cool too because too much focus and you get tunneled in. You can't find the numbers. Yeah. Too little focus, you're just slow. Um, so the distance from the phone matters. Use two hands and really try to try to find the ideal level of focus to get the uh, to get the best results. I You'll see. So neat. I bet you Nathan will text me to text me tomorrow. 
like, <laughs> I, I, I've been doing this for seven hours. I'm so close to your time. <laughs> like I'm my eyes my are God. bleeding. I don't know why. <laughs> my, my fiance and I were, were yeah. in uh, were in Texas, and I was sitting there playing the six by six for like an hour and a half, trying to get <laughs> like just over and over again. Have you ever taken the Rads test? Oh, what's my. that? Obviously not. Oh. That, that's a joke. Don't take it. Don't oh, take it. Okay. Well, you don't like the results. <laughs> well, no, I, I feel like you have you to will. explain it. You have to explain have to, it now, yeah. otherwise you're leaving them hanging. Well, it's, listen, we have the internet. Yeah, yeah. It's R A A D S. I figured it was that. Yep. Yeah. Um, almost everyone who's come on the show, include. I want Jared to take it. I don't know how the hell he hasn't. Uh, <laughs> I, I feel like most of the high level gun guys score really high. Like I, I think a lot of the listeners uh, have done it now, and I think the the average is about a hundred. The pass mark is sixty five. Br failed. Yeah, I, I'm I'm <laughs> like, just team I'm just team brain damage. A lot of the high level shooting guys all score over a hundred, sometimes I'd, over two hundred. I'd be I'd be curious to take it just to see. <laughs> I'd, I'd be curious. You'll have to you'll have to tell me your results. It doesn't take very long. It's like five minutes. Okay. Yeah. No, I'll definitely. It's, it is not like five minutes. It's like forty minutes. It's ridiculous. Don't listen. To it. That, that that's because you failed at the test. <laughs> I'm not... We have Rob Epiphania here. He can do a con- concentration grid in like three seconds flat. He he can nail this thing out in like two and a half, guaranteed. Oh my god. Yeah. Um, it's it's only eighty questions. It's not that. Long. Yeah. I did this in the the frozen foods aisle of a superstore. <laughs> I, that which is like a very autistic. <laughs> um oh god do not do not yeah i'll have to to take a look at this i was gonna say don't don't make rob take it on the fucking show god (laughs) well no because then then i'm gonna be wasting my then i'm I'm not really concentrating on taking it i'm just i'm just trying to trying to take it to fill in you know hey i mean like being on the show and doing at the same time it it is indeed uh working on your your problem solving and your uh your data input don't i'm i'm joking dude (laughs) I don't know. I mean, um, some of these, I don't, I don't, well, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. I'm curious. <laughs> we'll see. My guess be, is, he, is either like my level or like very low. One of the two. So I'm assuming high is a correlation with, uh, with the uh, ability to shoot guns more better. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I really want Felix from Redbeard Tactical to take it. Like I, I'm always, I'm always wondering. It's like, are you spectrum or German? And I can't tell. Man. <laughs> I love him. We need him back on. They're like all born of an engineer's brain. Oh, a hundred percent. Well, ger- like it's German, like yeah, German, yeah. German engineering. German engineering is, is like, it's like white and rice. Yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty crazy. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. But they is make that, some great cars. Man. Is white is that and rice what? a phrase? White on rice. Yeah. It's like white on rice. Oh, it's like two things that go together. White rice. Yes, exactly. It's true. Huh. I've it's never heard true. that. Um, yeah. Uh, so aside from like, <laughs> I'm gonna get this show back on. I'm gonna get this show back on track <laughs> if it kills me. Um, so like, what we've discussed a lot of so far with shooting has been um, a lot of uh, isolation, which I feel like it's something when you when you want to get into becoming great at a skill, like slowing yourself down and focusing on those things, like you were saying, kind of the eighty twenty thing to get significant significantly better at one thing at a time that's really hard to get newbies to pay attention to because they want to be like great at everything um from the get-go but do you have kind of like a like a quick start guide to 
what people shoot it if they're if they're brand new to not necessarily pistol shooting but getting serious about their pistol shooting where would you kind of start them with uh with skill sets to to work on or would that kind of be based on the individual or do you have like a a kind of rough game plan to launch anyone into yeah it's it's always i mean it's always based on the individual but pretty much everybody in the beginning will start with grip trigger control acclimation so acclimation is just being able to hold still while the shot goes off and you feel and hear everything those and, and recoil control so so like my my beginner skills and drills class like that's where we start we start we talk about grip because i think when everybody understands what they have to do when it comes to grip they're not they're not going to be as uncomfortable with recoil and grip is grip is first because the less you worry about recoil which is the acclimation part the more you relax the more accurate and the faster you can shoot. So you think about it this way, like when it comes to, let's say, let's say a stage, a USPSA stage, there's a hierarchy of skills that, that are important. Okay. And, and for a beginner, it's a little bit different, but the skills go like this. Shooting fundamentals, grip, trigger control, aiming, recoil control. That's first because you're doing that for every shot. Yep. Then the next most thing that you would do in a stage is transition the gun from target to target, including the draw and the reload, uh, the present, the present presentation from those. Okay. Then you might have several positions that you go to for a big stage, right? Then you might have one draw, you might have one reload. So like that's the skills focus. However, for a new person, the shooting fundamentals are still important. But where, what I do with them first is I get their gun handling skills up faster. Mm. Because you're drawing your reload, even though there's only one, you have to be reasonably sufficient, minimally acceptably uh, proficient at doing it. Yep. So, so my thing in my skills and drills class, it's focused on a couple things. It's focused on being able to manage recall, have a proper grip, have a proper, proper trigger press. Uh, be able to present the gun and fire accurate first round hits and be able to manage recall appropriately. And then we get into the draws at the very end so that you could draw the gun effectively and hit a target. And that's, and that I created that class with the intention of anybody can take it and anybody could take it to gain their, to improve their performance, whether they're shooting for performance and competition or personal protection and defense. So, and that, that's where I would start everybody because most people don't, most people are not going to put in the, the amount of time it takes to get to, to like my level. Yeah. Most people aren't. And that's okay. They don't have to, but that's where it needs to start so that you, for one, you have fun at the range. And two, if you need to God forbid, defend yourself, you can confidently. Yeah. yeah. The, yeah. Uh, the kind of area of all of that, that I'm currently breaching into is more movement, which as I've said, like I've been, I've been shooting long enough that I've done drills aplenty with movement in them, but actually, like trying to learn movement in a more formal way and trying to figure out like what I'm doing that's good and what I'm doing that's mediocre has been kind of a 
kind of a learning struggle and i even had it when we were doing some like very basic uh glass house stuff uh in out in north carolina nathan like oh, the two of fun. us yeah yeah and, and yeah. it's just like what the fuck are my hips doing as i'm coming around corners like i didn't realize i was so fucked on this stuff and and same thing with like yeah not not to bring up the dreaded footwork com uh conversation but simple things like that i was like oh i haven't really thought about these my pure focus is don't fucking trip up <laughs> and move as quickly as possible so i can get to my target so i can hit them but like starting out um with more movement and footwork for stages that's something honestly that has kind of um given me pause with getting into uspsa because like one i've been on very informal ranges not that i've been unsafe but there's things like the 180 rule and kind of making sure you navigate stages uh both to the rules safely and effectively like do you have any kind of guidance on starting out in with movement better so, so for, for, for one, I mean, really, you just need to get into, into a match. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So, so you'll give yourself every excuse you can yes, until, until you decide to just do it. <laughs> you need to just sign up for one and do it because what's the worst that happens, right? You get DQ'd, you go home, you learn, you learn what needed, what you needed to do and you come back the next time. Yeah. Right. Um, as far as, as far as practicing movement. So like. What I practice the most of, and this is relevant to USPSA stuff because you, uh, this is probably the, the most important movement that we can do in USPSA. It's all short movements. It's six, eight, 10 foot shuffle step kind of movements. Yeah. So I have, I have an exercise that I do every day for probably about 10 minutes a day um, where I start on one side, I shoot some stuff. I move to another spot and shoot some stuff. And there's like uh, a dividing wall in my garage that separates it. And I do that every single day. And what happens is, what will happen is you'll learn how to move. I wouldn't really focus on the chore choreography of it so much. I would just try to be aggressive and explosive. Yeah. And, and see where that, and by doing that sort of exercise daily for a couple of minutes a day, over time, you'll start to learn what works best for you. Um, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't get so caught up in the footwork, but I would look at how can I, how can I expose the targets so that I could shoot sooner Yeah. in everything. Now, when, if you are specifically focusing, focusing on some sort of footwork, understand that everything else will go to shit, not go to shit, but the, it'll, you're not focusing on it. So you're not evaluating the results of what else is happening. Yeah. You're just evaluating the results of how you want it to move and how you did move yeah that that's been what's really fucking me up is like when i've had people trying to help me with like things as simple as stepping around a barrier and they're like oh you should do it like this i'm like i go 90 percent on my feet and my hips and all of that and then the shooting is just like oh i forgot right. we were shooting <laughs> yeah well, you're, you're overthinking one input and you're yeah uh, yeah you're just focusing on one input and when you're focusing on one input the other inputs might suffer yeah yeah and that's and that's okay because you're focusing on the one input, right? You're, you're, yeah. So you can also redefine success by how well did I do X? So for instance, and this is a, this is a common thing too. People are, people are afraid to have bad hits, right? But in the interest of gaining speed, sometimes you have to accept that you might have hits that you don't like at first. So you redefine success as I am going to get X time. I don't care what the hits look like. I don't care. 
once I get X time, okay, and that becomes normal, like it feels normal to me to be that that fast. Now I'm going to start solving for the hits. What can I do different to keep the speed? And what do I need to do to, to get the hits I'm looking for? And by redefining success in, in those moments, that helps you actually achieve the totality of success you're looking for. And it's a necessary thing. Like, you know, people, people who are, so this is common in law enforcement and military, especially, right? The, the penalty of a miss is death. Yeah. Right. And, and it's so heavily ingrained that they're afraid to take any risk and make mistakes to learn. But in training, you you have to do exactly that to get better, right? And then, and it really comes down to differentiating: Are you doing this in an on-demand scenario where it matters, or are you doing this for exploration, training, and growth? And and as long as you could separate those two and act accordingly to those rules, you're you'll be just fine. You can explore and make mistakes. So for me. I make mistakes in, in training all the time and I, I can make more mistakes in training and shoot a match the next day and have my best match ever Yeah. because I know how to separate the two. And that's usually how, when I, whenever I've had my best matches the day before I've, I've made the most mistakes pushing extra speed, extra, this extra aggression, right. And solving the problems. It's not like you ignore the problems and say, well, fuck it. I, you know, I'm, I'm, awesome <laughs> I'm just sucking. I'm yeah. Yeah. No, no, you know, hey, I'm doing great because I'm because I'm meeting my speed goals. Now let's solve the hits. And by solving the hits, you get the speed and the hits over that time training. Yeah. And then that'll translate into the match. The only thing in a match is you have to understand I'm focused on this one thing. Whatever it is. My case is just seeing seeing observing the dot in the middle of the target and watching it lift, calling shots. That's it. Yeah. And when, and when I do that, if I, when I do that, I get my best shooting every time. And I'm going to have so many more messages saying, BR, get out to a match. Get out to a match. <laughs> I, 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 I'm being hypocritical. I, I should get you will not match. regret it, man. So, so my first match, uh, it was, it was, it was a big steel match. Um, and I came out and I was, whew, that was, I was uncomfortable, but yeah. right. Another thing. Don't tell yourself you're nervous. Tell yourself you're excited because excitement and nervousness are the same body response. Your mind just assigns a positive meaning to excitement. Mm. Yeah. And now you use the enhancements to your advantage versus trying to hold it back and it creates a lot of tension. Um, but anyway, I think I came 67th out of like three, 62nd out of like 300. Holy crap. And I remember going home and I was, I, I was not, I was not happy. I think the matches um, like close to me are like 20, 30. Yeah, we have a hundred, a hundred come to our local match most times. Yeah, our local USPSA. So I did that, but then I was like, "Well, listen, this is the perfect opportunity now. Now it's going to set me on a war path to get better." Yeah. yeah. And the same thing will happen to you if you're better off if you do that in two weeks than if you wait for two years. Yeah, yeah, that's been right. That has been something on my mind since I started getting serious about the pistol shooting. Was like, okay, well. I'm actually delving into it with uh, like a more actionable direction than I ever had previously. And, and then our, our camera guy started going to local competitions and he's like, yeah, he, he's hey. pretty good. He is. He is. He's uh he's pretty shit hot that comped out uh, CZ. But um, yeah, now he's just like, you just, you just gotta do it, dude. You just gotta rip off the bandaid and, and get do. into it. And, and 
ever since we mentioned it a couple times on here, people have been like getting in the messages like, "Hey, you uh, you shot a match yet?" No. Yeah. <laughs> what what you should do, what you should do is find the next available match and sign up for it. Yeah. That's you need like because right now you're going to try to find any excuse not to. No, it, see this uh this last weekend was the weekend that I was like, "All right, fuck it, we're doing it." And my buddy uh he was like, "All right, you signing up for it?" I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, let's do it." And then he messages me and says, actually, dude, I'm going to be out of state. I'm like, no, don't give me an excuse to bail. And of course, I yep. fucking I fucking bailed because I had the show to, yep. to edit. So you have I, to do I can always have an excuse. I can always summon one. You will if you, because you're 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 uncomfortable with with what might happen. Oh, yeah, it's I, I am I'm willing to, to swallow my pride and fail. You you have and, and remember, fa- failure is only failure when you actually quit. Yeah. Right. So so new failure, new problems are success from old issues. So if you define it that way and you continue down the path, success becomes inevitable. Um, but you have to, you have to continue going in your case. Like you said, you give yourself any excuse. So you just have to sign up and, and it doesn't matter who shows up. What you'll find is you'll find that you have some of the most helpful people you will ever meet at a match. Oh yeah. They will help you have questions, right? They'll, they'll help you. You'll feel goofy. And honestly, nobody gives a shit. Nobody cares how well you do. Right. It's only your ego. That's going to, that's going to get hurt in the temporary because, because you didn't do, you may not have done as well as you'd like, but you take that information as a starting point and now you could do with that, whatever you want. Yeah. If you take action on that, you'll become a lot better than you ever thought you could be, which is what happened to me. Yeah, and I've seen the same thing out of all my friends who have started going to competitions is the the level, even, even the guys who are more like concerned with carrying a, a pack and rifle out in the in the woods, the second they started doing competitions, it was like, holy shit, dude. Even if, you know, Prime Mill and all the rest or like actually spent, you know, hundreds of rounds uh, just doing more flat range stuff at the weekends prior, it's like, the when you once you get performance-minded, um, it really does change what kind of shooting you're doing 100 percent, man it, it'll it'll change the way you approach everything mm. and it'll make you that much better at pistol and rifle yeah 100 percent. that is actually making me want to like act, take the drive out and go to a local match <laughs> i was gonna say have it you ever a done ways you ever done, done a match yeah, yeah uh definitely not in canada you know what i was doing in canada not in canada <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> I, I, didn't, I didn't know if they had any it. kind of... Like, oh, yeah. the, the old dudes that were really into IPSC, like, I, I'd go to... The very rare times I, I'd go to a uh, a indoor range, the guys were like, oh, you, you should do IPSC. And I, I don't think USPSA exists much in Canada. It might, you know. I, well, I, it, I, is, it is IPSC in Canada. IPSC yeah. is the international version of USPSA. Did not know that. I guess now yeah. I know. Um but yeah, the, like the the local head of the club, I talked to a couple times, and he was a super nice guy. I don't think the the standards are quite as good there, probably because the lack of uh, infrastructure to train properly is uh, kind of a little bit of a problem. I saw some of the guys shoot a couple times, and I, di- I didn't have a lot of interest there. Now, now I have a lot more interest. Yeah, and I've 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 had days where I get up at four thirty five in the morning, drive two and a half hours to a match. Yeah shoot the match and then drive, drive the two and a half hours home. Like, you know, even, even for you, your current, your current state, 
doing it once every other month may not be a yeah, bad Yeah, that's not too bad. No. Like, I, I drove for uh, 90 minutes each way to see Jared, you know, a couple times a week. I, I could probably do that for a match as well. Right. I would, Honestly, I, would I, I think, it, I think it's exactly what you know. said. I've been making excuses. Yeah, it's well, listen, and it, it is a far drive. Don't get me wrong. Two hours is, you know, that's a that's a pretty significant time investment. Yeah. But to do it once every two, like if you were going to get six matches in a year and and this gives you the homework for the next two months of work, like would it, the question is, will it have been worth it to you? Yeah. And yeah. I, I think the answer to that is yes. Like any anything that gets you better. I, I like performance. I really like performance. And I, I like how wholesome that you make the community seem. Like uh, I, I've always had misgivings in terms of, you know, I, I think being on the internet a lot, I see the worst parts of the competitive shooting community sometimes. Sure. And I, I have to remind myself that's not the norm. That's not the majority of people. It's actually quite a small vocal minority. Right. And it's also what you make of it. Right. It's the person you are, who you attract. Yeah. So so if you're going to be a dickhead and be an asshole and be combative, that's yeah. who you're going to attract. Right. hundred percent. But, but you if usually you're see do... those groups of people grouping together, I find. Correct. Yeah. Correct. People, people like minded people will attract other like minded people. If you're going to be the kind of person that's that's encouraging and inspiring, which is largely the people that I associate with. Uh, within my day-to-day life and competitive shooting, like you're going to find some of the best people you've ever met, which is, which is true of, of my life in general. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, our, our camera guy just starting to go to the local matches out here. He's already got like a small group of uh, like young master shooters, like some of them not even old enough to drink yet who are teaching him all sorts of incredible shit. Yeah, and that's it, really that, cool. Well, that is something that's kind of uplifting. I think in all parts of the shooting community right now, um, whether it's, you know, competition, tactical or otherwise, is you're seeing a lot of young dudes, like, start to get into it. Um, I don't know how it is out where you are, Rob, but is the culture kind of in a healthy spot in terms of, like, uh, new bloods and all that kind of thing? So our, our range, our local range gets, like I said, they have, they have matches every weekend of, of different varieties. Our USPSA match gets anywhere from 80 to 100 and 110 people mm. every week, right? It, it is, it is very, it is very healthy and it fills up. It fills up within the first two hours of registration. Most of the time. Damn. That honestly, yeah. that has, that has been kind of an issue with me. Not again, making excuses, but the registration fills up like pretty damn quick, which is encouraging in a way. Cause I mean, like it's not just, you know, an old boys club of like, you know, no, the, the guys who can run circles around you it's it seems to be a lot of people like there's there's europeans uh in our local shooting group who have come over here and and just like jumped into it and and gone full bore which uh that's awesome i need to yeah yeah there's like there's like a, a swede that's a, a friend of phil's that's uh like just a swede out. a swede i don't trust swedes well, with guns anymore and, <laughs> not and after childerberg that's, <laughs> that's true the other thing too is is they they so the rule some of the rule sets have changed, so now in production division they allow fifteen rounds as of January thirty first. So that's a new rule set. But within the past couple of years, they so production division carry optics division used to used to have to have your equipment uh, behind the hip bones, 
So so you couldn't do conceal carry from appendix per se. Hmm. Yeah. Now I know they, they, they changed that in the weapon light rules fairly yep, recently. Yep. So they changed that. They they the weapon lights can be on there. You can't magwell. So now they add a new division too. It's called limited optics that accommodate uh, optics guns that don't have compensators but can have magwells, single action only, that kind of stuff. So your staccato 2011s that people conceal carry. Now you can shoot that with your carry gear in a match and actually get the real deal of, of how your gear performs. Yeah. That was my original intent was to shoot. Um, it was to shoot limited minor from concealed carry. And at the time our range didn't allow inside the waistband holsters for competition. So I shot production. That was the next closest, like realistic division at the time with iron sights. Um, and now they've changed it. So, so running, running a carry optics gun, which is no magwell, but an optic, and uh, 124, uh, 140 millimeter magazines, which are uh, good for typically 23, 24 rounds. Um, you can run that in a match, <laughs> and people could be reasonably competitive with that. The only place where you get kind of, kind of boned is like a standing reload with concealed carry. Yeah, because most people like that's where clearing the Garmin, getting getting access to the mag can be a little bit. It just takes more time. Um, uh, unless you wear a short shirt and you can kind of just get it out of the way fast, right? Yeah, yeah. Little, but uh, but little, little crop top just for the match day. Yeah, yeah. So so, but you can <laughs> do that now, and you could you can actually actually compete with your carrier. So that's even more of a reason. And the and the good thing about USPSA um, is that you can decide how you want to do it. It's free, the the plan is freestyle. You choose to do it how you want to. And your job is to execute it one time to the best of your ability. And people think, oh, but you can see the targets. Oh, you can do this. Come and try it. And you'll see that it's not as simple as, 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 it, as it seems. Mm. And that's only going to make you better. And that's the whole point. That's my, uh, <laughs> my favorite thing about shooting any kind of drill with friends is like, okay, here's the order of the targets. And I have some crazy memory issues so like that'll explain oh, it to me same <laughs> when the timer goes my brain turns off <laughs> yes six seconds prior <laughs> yeah. i'm like all right one and then three and then one again go through it all right two hit that one over there with two i don't think there was a third yeah. target how do we do boys what the fuck were you doing <laughs> yeah i remember the first time years ago i ran a uh just like a really simple drill like one two three four on like one round into the the first target on the right two rounds into the second target on the left three rounds into the one in the middle or some shit yeah. like that and i just fucked it up i fucked it up for weeks as soon as there, there was something where i had to actually plan you know how many rounds goes into each target it would be an entirely random amount um <laughs> Like, can and you fucking I, count? No. Yeah, the, the second that timer went off, um, my brain ceased functioning. It's better now, better now. Um, and, you know, the introduction of more complicated drills. But at the same time, like, I've never planned a course of fire to run through other than, you know, Kill House and Sims and shit sure. like that, which is not the same thing at all. It's not remotely as, like, competitive or, or performance-driven. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I, I would love to, and I mean, like, I've I've done some steel challenge stuff. But that's about it. Um, but uh, God, part part of me, and I, I've been considering doing this for a little while. Just you know, getting a storage facility, buying a hell of a lot more target stands, and just setting up courses for yep. for myself and friends to run through. That's what your living room's for. 
yeah, pretty much. You know, but, I mean, if you watch my if you watch my my stories daily, like I do stage work every day. Yeah, I, I saw how your garage is set up. That that is a clever idea. It's just being resourceful. That's all it is. You know, whatever. Yeah. What do you have to work with, and and you maximizing the the potential of it. So the stage work for me, I do about fifteen minutes a day, twenty minutes a day of stage work, and the stage is different every day. And because there's a sea of targets, I have to discern which ones I'm shooting and which ones I'm not based on upon what I planned. Mm. So so that's forcing me to learn how to program and execute on what I programmed. Yeah. And that's so so in my my stage is anywhere from 30 to 50 50 trigger presses. So it's constantly just going, you know, it's just repeating it like the repetition of the visualization, continuing to do those repetitions is what makes you perform better on the stage. And if you were at a match, you would be doing those visualizations in your head and for me I do a little bit of physical movement too. Uh, I would try to do that as many times as I could, 20, 30 times before I go. And that's what helps create success in, in those, you know, 10 seconds. And the better you get, the less time it takes. So, yeah, <laughs> the better it gets, the more you stand around, the less you're shooting. So, yeah, yeah. That is, I, I, I love this. I, I love this. This has actually changed my perspective on, on this quite a bit. Uh, not in a very positive way, I think um awesome man yeah i mean it, it wasn't against before it was more like neutral i really towards, ought yes, to this is a really good thing yeah um, I, I, I think other people should do this and get good now it's a hey i want to go do this and get good why is there not a match tomorrow um i'm hopping in the car so, sign up man find one yeah. find one i expect you guys to, to message me tomorrow saying which match you signed up for okay deal okay that's that's good homework I, I'm already, uh, I, I've messaged friends being like, hey, I learned new thing. Let's go range tomorrow. Um, <laughs> Do it. So that, that's going to happen. Awesome, man. Yeah, I'm going cool. to absolutely shirk my responsibilities tonight and the work that I have to do and just dry fire for like two hours. Hey, I do that, it every day. <laughs> I, I, I was going to say, this sounds actually very standard for you, Nathan. You know, that that's a fair point. Fuck, responsibility. <laughs> Fuck being an adult. I just want to play with guns. Mm-hmm. Well, I play with guns for, you know, for, for business. So there's yeah. that too. Oh, so I mean, with, yeah. Yeah. With, with all of the, uh, with all of the dry fire that you were getting in, you said like 15, 20 minutes a day. Um, what's the kind of equivalency of, uh, of like live fire work you do like on a week or monthly basis? So I go, I go in, uh, I go in like a schedule. So in the winter months, I'll go once a week. Usually, um, I try to shoot once two matches a month all year round. You know, December, January that might that might not happen just because of snow. Like it hasn't happened because of snow uh, the past two months. Mm. Um, yeah. Around March, April, I start going to the range twice a week, and then right around August. I'll start going three times a week. And this is, so dry fire is, is as often as I can do it seven days a week. Yeah. So, you know, you have the occasional travel, but even then I'll do some dry fire. But the intention is 90 minutes, 90 minutes a day uh, for seven days a week. Damn. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, the live, so, so at this point it's training. So it's not dry fire and live fire, both training. 
So going to the range counts towards that time accumulation. Yeah, yeah. So I might dry fire for 15 minutes, then go to the range for two hours, and then I might dry fire at night for another 15 minutes. Like, it, it, it all depends, but dry fire typically is two sessions for me. Yeah. So usually it's usually 45 to 60 minutes the first and about, and about 30, 30 to 45 minutes the second. Yeah. And I get lost in it too, so I always go – crazy unless oh, yeah. i have somewhere to go yeah yeah that that's the 90 minutes is the goal but it occasionally or often it <laughs> goes beyond yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, saw, I saw a video the other day um i want to call the guy tony wong but i think i might just be being racist um <laughs> what do you want yeah uh, uspsa gm that shot um i i believe he competed with a glock 26 uh, i've so heard of it yeah, to, yep. to prove the point that guns don't actually matter nearly as much as your skill. And mm-hmm. and I, I appreciate that. I, I do appreciate that. I just wanted your take. As far as what? The gun? The Well, I... Both, I guess. Because I, I find it honestly, interesting. I mean, you know, this is... This this Gerson, it's a, it's a $600 gun. Yes. Like, it's not... You know, so, so this gun... Legally distinct Beretta. Pretty uh, much. Well, well, it's funny because I was I was talking with the owner, and so they make the 92s, or they made the 92s for the Turkish military. Yeah. So they made these with the programs that they had for the 92s. Like, that's what they did. You know, because they had the military contract, I guess, something along those lines. Um, and that's, that's, that's why they made these. And that's why these are strikingly similar to the 92s. Yeah. Right. Um, but I've shot... I've shot, so I shot for Atlas, right? I was shooting $6,000 guns. Yeah. $6,000 2011s. Amazing guns. Excellent quality. You can tell the amount of craftsmanship and, and, and man hours that go into the quality of it. Phenomenal shooting guns. Love them. I love this just as much. Mm. Yeah. Before I got sponsored by, by EAA, I was going to shoot my Canic, my, uh, my SFX rival, Polymer. Yeah. $600 gun. Like the guns don't matter as much as the person behind the gun. Mm. As long as they are reliable and they're good enough. Yeah. Right. So this, this gun, like it's not, it's not anything special. It's not overly heavy. Um, the trigger press, the double action is about six and a half to seven pounds. The, the single action is four and a quarter. So it's nothing, you know, this is nothing like, holy shit, it's a one pound trigger. No, it's not. Yeah. You know, it's got some, it's got some minor stuff. So I have a recoil spring, a guide rod in here. I have a main spring and I have an adjustable mag release. Adjustable mag release. I've yeah, never so, heard of that. I think. So, so you see that little screw there? Oh. It allows me to adjust it up and down. So, so I liked the position of where my canic mag release was because yeah. it was like literally right in line with my thumb. This one with the factory mag release is a bit low, which is fine in, I, and, and if I wanted to train, if they didn't offer this, I wouldn't be like totally upset. I would just adjust where my thumb goes, but because they had this, yeah, I put it on and here we are. But you know, not, there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of that this needs really. I could shoot this entirely stock and be, be happy with it also. I think there's a, but has, huh? Oh, sorry. I was, I was gonna say, I think there's a, there's a lot in that where, uh, we are currently in a fight in terms of messaging between like consumerism and 
plugging in and doing the work with like skills yeah and yeah. like we we so often and, and as a culture we've been raised to be like we can always buy solutions and yes. when it comes to performance it's like dude you you can really put in put in the work with something you know that costs like 600 bucks or or thereabouts like a standard glock 19 um yeah we had we had a an intern at work recently who um i think i've talked about him on the show a little bit before but from california uh but like gun guy and uh he, he was getting his hands on pistols for basically like his his dad had some but it was the first time he had one of his own that he could um dry fire and like really put in tons of time with and that that dude is already like a phenomenal shooter just because they are they've been obsessive with putting in the skills and the and the time uh into a stock glock 19 and just like <laughs> just breaking that fucker in with dry fire i mean it was it was awesome at work just throughout the day you just constantly hear click sh- click sh- click yeah. <laughs> they, they were just getting those reps in and now like they're they're out there doing competitions and, and crushing it like far better than most people i know who you know got those bad habits in or uh, yeah. and and i have many more years of shooting or who only put money into their gear like uh, the, the, the guys i, I know a lot of people like that <laughs> yes yeah. and like don't get me wrong I, I like a nice gun as much as the next guy i'm never going to shit yeah. on someone for gucciing stuff you you know me i do that i i uh, you got uh cyberpunk guns. yeah I, I just like cyberpunk guns i i liked the game I like the aesthetic. I, um, the, you can't buy performance. Still, nope. it's it's uh, well consumerism for the sake of consumerism. And I, and I'll say this: like, the better you get, right, the more you know what works right for you. Yeah. And 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 that's really the main thing. Like, what what works well for you? Buying gear for the sake of trying to buy buy results, like that's not going to work. Yeah. It's not going to work, but the better you get, the more you can target, Hey, I think this thing will help. Yeah. You know, when it does. So like this adjustable mag release is a perfect example. Like I do, I need yeah, you've it. You've made the gun fit no. you. But, but honestly, like I looked at, okay, I looked at where my Canic mag release sat, which was about a quarter inch higher than this. And I said, well, let me see if there's another option for this that I can buy that, that would work. And as a result, yeah. I got, something that that really works well for me yeah you know i don't need it but but it's nice to have when i can yeah. find it and now now you don't fuck around buying okay you buy the latest piece of gear you buy the latest piece of gear like i've had my mag pouches for like two years you know yeah. um because because i like them and they work yeah and that's it i don't have to play around buying buying all different pieces of gear to try to make up for what is a lack of training yeah. yeah no I, I absolutely agree come to this country and I'm, I'm sure like a lot of people just have the same feeling when they they're an adult and they you know they they're of age to buy whatever guns and gear and shit they want there is the temptation to just buy and buy and try new things and try new things but <laughs> what really helped me the most was um both the ammo shortage and like the economy just going to shit because it was like a yeah. real hard stop on being able to attempt to buy performance it was like no you're stuck with whatever you've invested in thus far and now you have to get the most performance out of it you can and like 
yeah, regardless of the external factors, that was such a godsend to have like a hard stop and a chance to have that realization and be like, it'd be like, oh, it is me. I, I, I have hit a certain level. Like I, I hit that with um, with just iron sights on a handgun. I wanted to get a red dot, but it was a significant investment, and I was like, there is a lot more performance I could still be pushing out with just using iron sights. Yeah. Yep. I shot. So I started off with an MP. Like that's what I shot for a couple of years before I started competing. Then I trained with Vogel and I asked him that the question, do I keep this stock? Do I modify this? Or do I buy a new gun? Um, and he said, he had said, no matter what you get, you're going to grow with it. So I ended up switching into the, the CZ line, the shadow twos. And I shot the shadow twos for three and a half years. That's yeah, the only... I see you do videos with them sometimes. I think even yeah, still. that's what I, that's what I was using. That's what that's what I made GM on. Um, yeah. But I spent three and a half years with one platform. I had ninety thousand round, rounds on my beater beater Shadow Two. Holy shit! Yeah. So and now so I'm back to the same thing now. So I I went into limited division. I shot the Atlas, you know, the Titan and the and the Artemis um, in forty, and then I got sponsored by. Uh, EAA, which was a deal we were working on for a while, and now I'm gonna I'm back to the same thing. Like I, I'm, I'm sticking with this gun for just three the Gerson. Yep, I love. This I, I like that. I like that. That thing. This is probably my favorite gun so far. You know, and and that's just it's just it just it just agrees with me. Yeah, the way it handles, the way it shoots, like it's softer than the Canic, and I really like the way the Canic moved around from target to target. And that retains that property while being a bit uh, lighter shooting compared to it. You know, it's not as the Atlas was very heavy. Yeah. You know, and it wasn't terribly heavy because it was about 43 ounces, but it's still kind of, it's still, that shit weighs on you, you know, yeah. and, and shooting 40, like shooting 40. And, and honestly, in, in USPSA, the, 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 the iron sight divisions are going away. So yeah. I shot production, right. Saw it starting to die at the very end there. Start started shooting limited. Saw it starting to die in the middle. You know, I see less and less people shooting it. So now I'm like, well, let me get ahead of the curve for once <laughs> and get back, you know, get into an optics division and just stay there for the foreseeable future. Because that's going to have higher pay value as time goes on than switching back and forth. More reps on a, a category that's going to stick around for a bit. Yep. And, and just more reps with one platform. Yeah, yeah. So that, like with, with you, there's no like rotation of, of handguns or anything. It's just, nope. just put it into one platform at a time. Yep. Yeah. Carry this gun too. Yeah. I got That's my, awesome. my, my tier one concealed holster downstairs. <laughs> uh, tier one concealed are great. I uh, yeah. recently started just using all of their stuff. We have no professional relationship. This is uh, <laughs> not a tier one concealed sponsored pod- podcast. No, but, it's not. Uh, I, I, but uh, it could be. It, but it could be. Um, he does follow me, so I could I could ask him. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I know a, a couple guys there, and they're really cool people, and they they make good holsters. They, but they do really you know do. the rad score? I do not know the rad scores, so uh, I assume Brian, if you're listening to this, send me your rad score. Actually, wait, no, I think he already did. Um, which I'm I'm like nine. No, no, I'm not going to comment whether someone passed or failed. That's that's between them and God. <laughs> we'll we'll see. I don't I don't know that mine will be that high, but we'll see. I I I have belief in you. I believe you will uh, 
you will join the passing score gang, and uh, Br will be stuck in the uh, the the fail the fail child uh, baby town frolics gang. I I did I did score high in the psychopath test. Oh no! <laughs> so, so, so the antisocial like personality disorder test. I'm I'm curious. <laughs> so so uh, well, Travis Haley. Yeah. He recommended a whole bunch of books when I trained with him in 2016. And and one of the books he recommended was The Wisdom of Psychopaths by Kevin Dunn. <laughs> yeah. And and so I found that to be a very interesting book. It talks about how some of the highest performers have a lot more in common with psychopaths than they than people would like to believe. <laughs> the only oh, no. difference is the difference is they can turn it on and off. Mm. So so well interestingly speaking, I was reading this on a plane too, which made the flight attendant a bit nervous. But you know, uh, not, not that nothing bad happened, but <laughs> so they, they had on his website, he had a psychopath, like, you know, like a small, like 25 question test. And I scored like borderline, like <laughs> just, just below. Yeah. Interesting. So it, was like, it was like high functioning psychopath. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> it's a switch. Because it's I, a choice. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, that's, and, and CEOs have a lot in common with, with psychopaths. The only, like I said, the only difference is, they know how to turn it on and they turn it off. Psycho, true psychopaths, they have all the dials turned up all the way and they can't fucking turn any of it off. <laughs> that's just yeah. who they are. And, and that's what causes a lot of the the harmful product, byproduct of that. Whereas a C, like a neurosurgeon, for instance, yeah. when they're working on you, you don't want them to have empathy and emotion. They can't. They have to be stone cold, not, not killers in this case, but they have to be have stone cold emotion. Like they can't yeah. have any. They're yeah, a robot. Logic. They're a machine. That's yeah. it. The same thing with with comparing, let's say, a serial killer to a a, a special forces uh, operator. Yeah. Right. They have to be able to to kill, right, and they have to not be um, affected by by killing if they have to, right. So they essentially have to be trained, that, but they have similar makeups, right. Yeah. But the that, one that's different- interesting you mentioned that. Um, I, I have yeah. read studies on uh, antisocial personality disorder, which is kind of the okay. umbrella term that psychopathy and you know sociopathy and whatnot fall mm-hmm. under, and that that branches out and umbrellas into all sorts of fun little you know oh, yeah. <laughs> quirks disorders. Um, <laughs> but exactly what you said, you know, uh, people who work in healthcare, people who work high level finance, CEOs, and special op- operations uh, guys all score really high on those those tests yep. generally. Yep. Yeah. Sorry. Go on. No, but it's it's just it's just that they can they can turn it off and they could use it for the right reasons. Yes. For, well, for you know what's funny thing. that what that also has a correlation with high rad scores. Not joking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have after yeah, we're done that, with it. That is not a joke, actually. Well, after yeah. we're done with it, I'm gonna have I'm gonna have to tell you here. Yeah, no, please. There we go. We, uh, we, we've uh, we've got some homework to trade. We've got to go and book ourselves into a competition. Yes, and then Rob, uh, Rob's got to got to give us a number. Dry fire, much more, and then pop my little magwell off so I can be limited optics. Uh, I, I don't know. Does does this does this thing matter? I don't know. Let me say the magwell matters. Yeah. Yep. So the magwell is what actually makes it limited optics. If you took that magwell off, it's a, it looks like a carry off if going. Yeah, that that was the intention of this, so I'll probably just yeah. pop it off. Um, and, and limited optics is it's it's a new, it's going to be a popular division too. So if you left it on, it's not really a big deal. Yeah, does your that's the uh, whole purpose they made that? Does your light matter? I've heard about 
that being like a factor because people will swap out the battery for a bunch of weights. Uh, well, the light has to be functional. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. man. Uh, my, my friend Frank sent me a light that's a little LED in a, yeah, is. a block I've of coppers. Uh, that, I, I'm going to keep my thoughts that on legal. that to myself. I'll say this. Uh, yeah. when, when the flashlight rule came out, yeah. anybody who was a high-level shooter didn't use one. Ah. Yeah. Again, does, doesn't matter. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't compete with your – like because yeah. you want to compete more in a carry style. Yeah. Use your fucking flashlight, but don't yeah. put on a flashlight for recall, recall yeah, yeah. reduction for, yeah. for the mighty nine millimeter round. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going know? to shoot with a flashlight because I've always shot with a flashlight. I exactly yeah, do have never owned a handgun of any kind that didn't have a flashlight within a couple of days, and um, that is the right reason to to you keep the flashlight on. Yeah, I, I would shoot your gun just like that in limited optics because that's going to give you more feedback because that's what you actually shoot. Yeah, it's like th this goon beam ratty pistol light with like scuff marks all over it is not going to add enough weight to make a difference. I just like it, and that's how I shoot. So, but there yeah, I, I think that, that's a good way of looking at it. And I'm glad that they allow lights now. And it kind of rots me that that people are trying to game the system. I think it's a little unsportsmanlike. So I guess I am commenting on it a little. But well, at the same time, like any any rule is going to be exploited, and I'm sure if you're good enough, it's not going to make a difference anyway. And, and and honestly, if you, I mean, if the rules are there to exploit, as long as you're playing within the rules, right? I mean, yeah. you're allowed to do it. I mean, yeah. doesn't mean you doesn't mean you need to, but you know, like the the rules are there to give you guidelines on what to do. And if you yeah. try to exploit it a little bit and it serves you gain, that's great. But yeah. honestly, like training and training and and consistency and training and all that, like those are going to get you further than and trying to game the rules with like putting putting lead in your flashlight you know what i mean yeah, yeah. my just my opinion yes no i i absolutely agree with that and considering you know you you shoot and win with a, a 600 pistol to, uh tony i still want to say wong but i feel like again i'm being racist because that's like one of five asian names no but um, i know who you're talking about yeah i know who you're uh, talking about. he can compete to oh, a high level with a Glock 26 oh yeah. and he's, he's, he's a great shooter yeah, and he seems like a nice guy too. I, he's someone yeah. I'd like to pick his brain as well. <laughs> I really wish we could get his name right. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to call him Tony Wong. Um, I, hold on, this is this oh, is a wait, wait, wait. making grandmas with a Glock 26. The gun doesn't matter. Tony Wong. Oh shit. Okay, so I wasn't being racist. Hey, hey, hey. there you go. Hey, I'm also yellow. I'm allowed. <laughs> I'm half yellow. I guess I'm beige. There you um, go. God. Yeah, yeah I, just, I just did the same thing BR did. I pulled pulled it up on YouTube. As I was like, yeah. I, I got to fact check this before we get off here, and it's like it was not Tony Wong at all. It was like something completely different. Was it not? No, no, no. no I'm, say, I'm saying it was Tony Wong. Okay, 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 okay. Um, well, Tony Wong, <laughs> I love you. Keep being you. Uh, you're my hero, and so are you, Rob. <laughs> Uh, I, I try, man. I try to do the best I can to help others. That's that's it. No, I, I appreciate that. That's genuinely the ethos of this whole thing. And yeah, uh, yeah. This this show is all about proliferating even the like the small touch points to the you know the macro of making everyone who listens and everyone in this space uh, the best shooter and hopefully the best person they can be. So yeah, really appreciate you uh, you coming on and helping us, uh, giving us a lot to think about in terms of yeah. uh, 
pistol shooting and and homework. getting involved in some competition. Yes, we need some. We need more homework. It's the yeah. 2024. You were making moves, dude. I'm going Let's to have it, to guys. put a little bit of work into consistently getting my palm in the same place and getting that that you know pinky pressure mm-hmm. consistently. And that, uh, yeah, my Just homework. Time, time yeah. and continued effort and you'll see you'll see it makes it makes a huge difference and the gun just tracks much better in recoil too yeah yeah so and i i'm looking forward to it uh awesome. seriously thank you for coming on uh ho- hopefully we we can uh do this again at some point after br and i have popped our uh popped our competition cherries 100 percent, 100 you know like i said i mean we could definitely do this again and be happy to um you know we'll get those guides out for everybody and and yes. we'll be able to talk more about about all this stuff yes if you great. if you're listening to this you probably know we haven't done really guides in a little while because i i uh, exhausted my knowledge base and uh have to find people to help rob is very graciously helping with uh rewriting our pistol curriculum so be prepared for some cool stuff with him to come out kind of soon um, but if you're a subject matter expert in anything you think would be relevant to uh, to proliferate, like reach out. You know, we don't bite. Yeah, um, we we've got some cool stuff coming. Uh, we've I don't know. Stuff. Br might bite. I don't know. I he, I he will. Might. Well, well that, that's why that's why I don't even that's why I don't even check my DMs because I do bite. But Nathan will very graciously check the DMs. <laughs> I, I try and check the DMs, but then I'll, occasionally I'll get a, a message like hello. And it's a, a like year old DM I just never replied to because yep. things do slip through the cracks and I apologize. I, I genuinely do try. We just get a lot like every day. Hundred seven thousand followers. Yeah, I, I could see that. Uh, it's 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 a never ending wasteland of which there is no escape. And uh, <laughs> and, and we're are, like, we're outdoorsy people, so it's like oh, checking like just staring at my misery rectangle for three hours. It's my only social media too. Well, yeah. the only one I really use, like, um, awesome. other than my Twitter account, which entirely only exists to follow pictures of people being photoshopped as black and Chinese. But... <laughs> On that note, <laughs> um, Rob, thank you very much. Is there anything? Uh, two things. Is there anything else yeah, you want please. to share with the audience before we get out of here? Uh, well, listen. So I so I shared the link in there, but if anybody wants to get links to free lessons or see about training with me online or in my eight-week course you can go to robepifania.net um there's a free drills page i don't know if you guys can share this that oh yeah please please do because then you guys will be able to get four free drills to give you an idea of how i am how i teach yeah. um and and you know give you a lot of a lot of value for yourself and uh you'll be able to get in contact with me if you have questions so if you need to reach out, you're never bothering me. Ask questions away. Follow me on Instagram at Rob Epifania, and uh, look forward to hearing hearing from all y'all. Oh yeah, I, I appreciate that, and you're responsive too. Like when I I uh, initially got in contact with you, you were like, you were there. I I appreciate that immensely. Um, I, lo- when, I love when he the says more free drills. It's like full videos where he does like full breakdowns. It's information that is all really relevant and really helps change how I do stuff. I'm shilling for you because you're humble. Um, yeah, it's <laughs> really great that. shit. Um, awesome. Thank you again for coming on. And uh, hopefully, you know, people will absorb some information from this and become better shooters. I know. Oh yeah, man. Look forward to doing it again. Yeah, 
Alright, we got one more thing before we go, Rob. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. fuck. Oh, oh, I, I, can't, I can't believe you almost forget after, like, 130 episodes, Nathan. Uh, but, uh, oh, my God. We need some dad advice from you to our listeners, as if they are your your young children gazing into your eyes. They they need some knowledge from, from Papa Rob. What is this, open-ended? Oh, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Dad whatever advice. you want. Funny, serious, whatever you like. Let's see. Well... I don't do funny, but <laughs> I'd say that was funny, but well, I would say, I would say this in life, try to, try to learn to solve problems. So learning to solve problems and helping other people solve problems and seeing new problems as success from old ones over a long enough time horizon, you will become successful. Success becomes inevitable. Most people are afraid to struggle and fail because they think they're going to look bad, but failure is necessary for growth and success. So as long as you keep going, the only true failure is quitting. So keep going and and keep finding that new thing and eventually you'll get to where you want to go and far exceed it. Hell yeah. I yeah. like that. That, that is a... Advice. Excellent dad advice. I think uh, better better than what was last week. It's like sun your balls or something. Um, <laughs> Good comic relief, man. But I'm too much of a nerd to say something really funny. No, 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 no. You're, you're great. Um, th- thank you again for coming on, and thank you if you're listening to this for uh, apparently, possibly, possibly. This is anecdotal. I don't know. Uh, making us the second largest gun podcast. I don't know if that's true, but I'm just going to assume that it is. Um, huh. If you're oh, the yeah. first rated listened to gun podcast we're coming for your ass and we will tickle you this is a legal threat <laughs> whoever you are you can use this I'm against me in a court of law we we will come for you this right? is a threat <laughs> <laughs> this, this is a threat okay uh we love you all okay bye <laughs> <laughs>